Welcome to the Winning Edge Investments Podcast. Winning Edge Investments provides industry-leading horse racing and sports betting tips, ratings and education, enabling you to invest intelligently and treat your betting like a business. Go to www.winningedgeinvestments.com to learn more about how you can start to supercharge your betting bank immediately. Treat your betting like a business and invest intelligently with Winning Edge Investments. Today we're joined by one of Sydney's newest and fast becoming one of the most successful trainers there, Annabelle Neesham. G'day Annabelle, how are you? Yeah, g'day Brad, good, thanks yourself? Very well, thanks. Um, great to have you on the show. Uh, firstly, let's get my own round of beginnings out of the way. How'd you drown your sorrows after that? <laughs> um, oh, you just have to move on, don't you? You can't sort of dwell on those things. Um, I didn't think I'd be able to watch the replay, but I did watch it a couple of times um, just to check Tommy didn't need a spray. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, there, there was not much he could do. It's you know, it's just racing for you. Um, it was just it was just a wall of horses in front of him. So he's obviously had to hook wide and waste a lot of time doing so. But the horse was super to the line. So um, you know, you just got to take the positives out of the race. And um, you know, the horse is flying. Um, his last furlong was exceptional and. And he's pulled up very well from the run, so we can look forwards now to heading towards the Rose Hill Guineas. Fantastic. We'll touch on him a bit more later, but um, now we've got that out of the way. Tell us about your background in racing and how you got into the game. So I've always um, been mad about horses, and growing up I had ponies, and um, I was mainly doing eventing and show jumping, more of the equestrian side. Um, but I sort of then realized I wanted to make a career out of horses, but making a career in, in eventing and show jumping is pretty hard. There's not a lot of money and there's certainly no prize money. And I probably wasn't, um, I wasn't going to be a top level. I wasn't a, an elite sort of rider. So uh, it wasn't really an option. So, um, you know, a few people pushed me towards the, the bloodstock side of the racing industry. Um, so I worked in that side of things, um, worked for a couple of bloodstock agents back home and consigners. Um, and I work for the Queen as well. She's got her own private um, stud um, with about 25 mares. So I work there at Sandringham at the Royal Studs and broke in some of her some of her yearlings, um, one of which actually is at, over here in Victor's Prince. Um, so it's a bit of a, makes it, you realise how small a world it is <laughs> when you both end up at Warwick Farm yeah. <laughs> uh, from, from Norfolk in England. Uh, but yeah, that's how I sort of got into it. And then um, um, I was riding out jumpers, um, racehorses as well and, and sort of was going down that route and decided I probably wanted to train jumpers. The bloodstock wasn't really hands-on enough for me. Uh, but I came out to Australia really to get some experience. I thought I'd come to Australia for a year and then maybe America and then settle back home. But um, yeah, sort of four years on, I'm still here. So you obviously love it in Australia? Yeah, love it. Uh, better weather. Um, scarier insects. That's the only negative yep. in sharks. But... What's, what's, is that the worst one, the sharks? <laughs> Probably, yeah. Do you ever see it you're out in the water with the horses? or? No, I don't, but they tell me Botany Bay is a breeding ground for bull sharks. So yep. it's always in the back of my mind. When I worked for, for Gay Waterhouse, um, they actually swim their horses. Um, so you put your feet on their chest and you're actually sort of facing the horse and you, and you steer them sort of with the bit yep. um, and then turn them around and you sort of hold their tail coming back in. But, uh, the guy that um, the guy that used to swim them, I think, had pneumonia. So I ended up having to swim once, and um, I was terrified. I don't know if the horse was more scared or if I was, but yeah, the, <laughs> the thought of a shark coming underneath me was yeah, 
not ideal for an English girl. <laughs> Hopefully the sight of a horse wouldn't be too inviting for a shark. Or at least no, that's... they'd probably go for the horse before me, I suppose. Yeah, which isn't I'm not sure if that's a good either. thing either. <laughs> um, so you obviously follow the jump scene back home a fair bit. Do you still follow it in Australia as well? Like, Do you get into the jump scene here? Yeah, um, big time. I, I um, While I was working for Kieran, um, he was away and I, I bought Big Blue um, for a client of his. And um, he won the Gallywood and um, I believe he's going to the, the Grand Annual this year. I I love it. Um, probably if you said, what would I rather be? I'd nearly say a jumps trainer. I love it that much, but you know, you can't do it here. Um, it's obviously not in Sydney and, and it's only small in Victoria, but yeah, I still get a big kick out of watching it. Um, I'll be certainly watching um, Warnable Carnival this year. No plans to get one ready for the ball? But it's something I probably probably not right now is focus on, on sort of what we've got at the moment. Um, but once we're a little bit more established, it's not something I'd rule out. Um, I think Gay's probably the only Sydney trainer sort of of recent times that's still got jumpers, but she's obviously got a base down in Melbourne, which probably makes it easier. But I think, you know, you haven't got any trials here, so you've got to jump trial them. So you'd have to travel them down from, from Sydney to, to trial them. Um, there'd be a bit of logistics to work out. But yeah, certainly something I wouldn't rule out must be a lot of similarities between jumps racing and um, racing sprinters and stayers and things like that. What, what are the main similar similarities and, um, you know, things which you, you do differently? Well, I suppose the similarities are, are just um, fit, you know, having them as fit as you can and as, and as sound as you can. But, um, but having said that, they are quite, they are quite a different way of training. Um, in Australia in particular, I think it's very hard to train a jump source. Um, I think the guys that do it well, it's a credit to them really because you compare it to, to back in England and Ireland, which is where the best jumps racing are and they're training on rolling hills um, uphill all the time. Whereas here, you know, the facilities at the tracks, are, you're on a, you know, essentially a sort of 2000 meter tight turn the whole way. So um, by getting miles into horses legs on tracks like that, you're, you're turning all the time and you're probably, you're, you're at um, more risk of injuring them um, doing that sort of um, training yep. over distance than you would be up hills. Um, so, you know, a lot of the jumps trainers now use the treadmill or the flat trainers are using them as well. But, um, you know, I know in particular sort of my experience with Kieran, who's, who's probably the best jumps trainer in Australia is, is um, you have to put a hell of a lot more work into them than, than you would um, with a flat horse. Um, and yeah, a lot of that is done on the treadmill, you know, purely because, you know, we, we lack the facilities to train them in Australia, unless you had your own private facility, I suppose. Yep. So tell us about your time with, with Gay and with Kieran. What were the kind of things which you learnt, which you've taken into your training career? Oh, it's, they're, they're both um, sort of very different trainers, but obviously both very successful. Gay's um, had a phenomenal career. Um, you know, I learned a lot from her. Um, she's she's tough, um, and sh you know she's very strict. But I think I think that works in her favour a lot. Um, you know, no stone is left unturned, and her horses are incredibly fit. And they just she seems to teach them to to have a real will to will to win. And that starts even at the trials. You know, she's very competitive with them even at trials. Um, so that was very interesting learning that off her. And um, you know, Kieran's probably a bit more of a relaxed sort of trainer. Um, and probably uses maybe he uses his races a bit more to to get them fit um i suppose but you know they're both unique in their own different ways but um you, you try and pick up 
um, things off everyone you work for and, and hopefully I've learned um, you know plenty of the, the two of them to try and take into my own career obviously you put your own spin on things as well but um, it's always good to have um, you know learned off you see what go what works for those those guys and you try and try and take that into into your own sort of training and you spent four years with Kieran yeah yep and what was the point where you thought um you know I need to go out and do it myself um, it was probably, to be honest, it's probably when, when boxes became available. Um, I think it's, it's a lot easier probably to attract the right clients when you're, when you're training in the, in the city on a city track. Um, but it's very hard to get boxes, um, you know, Ramwick chock-a-block, Rose Hills chock-a-block. And, you know, at the time, most of the time Warwick Farms chock-a-block, but there were boxes that, that came available. So, um, uh, I suppose took the plunge and uh, and had had the backing of Aquas as well. Were were keen to send me some horses as well, so that sort of helps you make that move, knowing you're going to have some some support straight away. But it's never an easy. I think any decision like that's not, it's never an easy time. You know, you're you're enjoying what you're doing and working in a great team. It's never that easy to break away. But at some stage, I wanted to be training on my own. Um, I didn't want to be an assistant trainer forever. Um, so yeah, I think it was just the opportunity of, of really when the boxes became available and, and I've certainly felt ready to do so. I've had a great grounding. And how many boxes have you got now? Uh, 53. So a good number for you or are you looking for more? Yeah, it's a good number at the moment. Um, we've got, we've got quite a few yearlings coming in. Um, so just about to take over another stable, but I, I never, I don't want to get huge. Um, I think you need to have a reasonably good number to be competitive um you know ideally i'd like to be a sort of top 10 trainer um but um you know i, I think i still quite enjoy being hands-on I, I don't ride every morning but I, I ride might ride five or six horses in a week just to have a little feel of them and that's certainly when the babies come through sort of as very late yearlings turning two-year-olds i like to have a sit on them i think if you're too big it's it starts to become difficult to, to do that sort of thing um you know I trot up every horse every week um, and you know even with 50 it takes a long time to do that so I just like having having a you know that hands-on approach and um, you know probably another 20 or 30 would be ideal I think 80 is a nice number but um, yeah I'm sort of I suppose not putting a not putting a figure on it at the moment we're just going through the through the motions as it were and you know at the moment we've we're in a position where we can take on a, take on more horses and we've got good staff You've got a um, pretty small but select stable. Um, must be great to have such backing, like from Aquas, um, to get horses like Mwanga. Um, that must be huge for a new trainer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that was a bit of a, a surprise, a nice surprise, I suppose you could say. Um, but yeah, he's obviously a he's a lovely horse, and you know he's not the only one that they've sent me several nice horses, um, and so have a few other clients as well. So I'm just very fortunate and. Um, you know, I, I certainly won't be taking that for granted. I, I you realise, you know, most of the time, I mean, the main thing with stepping out on your own is that you've, you've gone from working for an elite stable to then thinking you're going to have to be, um, you know, going to the sales and, and sort of finding the cheapest sources you can and, and trying to attract clients. But I, and you've still got to do that. But I'm just fortunate, you know, to have a good base with, with um, owners such as Aquis who have sent me these sent me these sort of essentially some of them are sort of ready-made horses they've already performed at that group level so um 
you've still got to obviously you've still got to perform with them they're not they're obviously not robots you've still got to train them but um, the fact you've got that class of horse there certainly makes life a lot easier and it means you're you've got horses in good races um means your name's getting out there a bit more and you know in turn that then helps attract more clients so i think that the first couple of years if you can if i can sort of maintain that sort of support hopefully it can it can build from there so what's the plan with Moanga? he's obviously going to the rosehill guineas um next weekend yeah he's going to the rosehill guineas um i think he'll relish the 2000 um sort of looking at the weather it's meant to be raining now but it's not um the track will come up <laughs> bar his fast first start he's been on um sort of firm decks so um that'd be the only unknown if if it happened to come up a heavy 10 for example i know he won his two-year-old race on a heavy track but that was a two-year-old race at the gold coast so you'd, you'd imagine the caliber of horse he's become he's probably going to win that race whether he handled it or not so that'd be my only unknown but other than that you know touch wood so far the horse is is looks to have come through that race very well and he'll do piece of work on Saturday and Tuesday and um, yeah it'll be set to head to Rose Hill. And the blinkers were on last Saturday was that key for him and they'll stay on I guess? Yeah they definitely stay on um, it was probably always going to be the plan to put put them on uh, I didn't want to wear them first up but um, sort of thought I might be wearing them second up and yeah Tommy felt that he never in all of his races he looks like he's hit a bit of a flat spot including in the CS Hayes but he felt that they sort of he actually never really hit a flat spot with those with those blinkers on i think they probably helped um but the beauty with him is he's very laid back and casual that um i was never worried he'd over travel in them um obviously sometimes when you put them on they can do a little bit too much but um even the step up and trip i'm not worried about about keeping them on i, th I think they're certainly a help rather than a hinder that's for sure were you confident last start or were you sort of thinking the 2000 will be more up his alley I've always thought the 2000s um, going to be more up his alley than the mile. But having said that, um, he, he's also doesn't show you much at home and, and he, he hasn't really shown the punters much in his trials either. Um, but he uh, his work on the Tuesday before without the blinkers on, I'd galloped him a couple of times with them on and I took him off. And they just, he seemed to have just switched on and it was the best bit of work. Like it was a very good piece of work and he hadn't done a good piece of work since I'd had him. He just sort of works as well as he needs to. Um, so yeah, that made me have a spring in my step for the rest of the week. I thought we were, we were, you know, going to be a good chance. I, I thought the Kiwi horse was going to be probably quite hard to beat, but I knew the track was going to be dry and, and I know that our fellas sort of handles that, handles that sort of firm decking. So, um, you see the barrier come out you think, oh, great barrier too. Um, <laughs> you always want to draw in, but I did at the back of my mind, I did think, I wonder if he'll end up getting cluttered and, and needing room and. And in the end, that's what probably cost us. What was um, Tommy's assessment after the race? I know you've built a great association with him since since starting out. What did he, what did he say about the run? He said, sorry, I dropped my rein. <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> he, he didn't even tell me he did. I watched the replay. You'd be, you'd, you'd be livid rain, if that mate. was his first word. He said, I've only done that twice in my career. <laughs> well, it was a pretty important time. Yeah, only group one, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't make a difference, I don't think. Um, um, Oh, he was, yeah, he was, he's, he was a bit gutted, but he's, um, that's the great thing with Tommy. He, he never gets down really. He's always a very positive person and he's good to have on because, you know, he says to you before the race, you know, we're going to win this. We're great chances. He's walking over to get on the horse. You know, he's always confident and 
he basically he summed it up as bring on two weeks time so um look he's he's looking forward to riding him as much as i'm looking forward to getting him there i think and he's known for the derby the doncaster the queen elizabeth when what distance do you think he's going to be his optimum 2000 or yeah good question um i think we're just the doncaster would be a great race to win um 49 kilos but um you're coming back in trip which is probably a, a negative it's only a couple of weeks to get him sort of fresh and back up um, you've got the Queen Elizabeth, which obviously is is probably the most competitive um, of the three to go to. But you might entertain it if it was going to be a dry track, um, because a lot of the main hopes are wet trackers. Um, and then, of course, you've got the Derby. Um, so, you know, the Derby would be a great race to win as well. He'd obviously have to look um, like he's motoring through the line at 2000 to, to entertain that. But, um, yeah, it's sort of amazing game, really. You've got a horse... Um, ready to run in 10 days time and you've no idea what distance he's going to go to after that but you know it's going to be a mile 2000 or, or a mile and a half so but we'll just see we'll take it one race at a time and, and hopefully he can um you know if he can win the Rose Hill Guineas that'd be great and if he pulls up well um we'll have to make a decision on which direction we head how special would it be to get a group one in your first um first year of training oh it'd be incredible um it's what I think all of us trainers strive to, to do is to train train group one winners and um, there's a, a lot of trainers that haven't been fortunate enough, enough to have the right sort of horse to do so so um, you sort of put a bit of pressure on yourself I know I've got an extremely good horse in the stable and I know he's capable of winning one so um, you just you do need all the stars to align you need everything to fall into place um, so we'll do the best job we can this week and next to get him there um, and I think, yeah, if you if you can pull it off, um, it'd mean a lot. And it'd mean a lot to the team as well. You know, we're all quite a young team and um, they're all working pretty hard and they're all very passionate and enthusiastic. So I think results like that just really help to keep the morale high and, um, yeah, keeps everybody happy. Do you think he's your best chance to win your first group one? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, next question, uh, Prague on Saturday at Flemington. He wasn't... As unlucky as Moringa, but he didn't have much luck, did he? No. Um, it's funny. Tommy dropped the rain. Mick D dropped the whip. <laughs> it's great. Great. It's <laughs> not, not ideal when you had your first group one. Group one. <laughs> he race. only dropped at the last few strides, but um, his run was enormous. He's the cult that I've got a lot of time for. He's he's very talented. Um, thought I thought we were a good chance drawing out as wide as we were it sort of seemed to be the place to, to be so far but as it turned out the the first three home were all sort of down the middle part of the track so whether there was a track by us or whether they were better than us on the day who knows but um the only thing with him is he's he sort of got into this habit he was he was pretty quick away as a two-year-old but it, when he turned three he just got into a bit of a bad habit of being slow away and um it's pretty hard to rectify that once they get into that habit um, it's one of that, those fine lines. You, you can do a bit of work with them at home, out the gates, but sometimes it can have the adverse effect. Um, so it's just finding that balance of, of trying to get them out the gates quicker without sort of actually making a fuss about it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's on the back foot. He jumped slow again and he was, you know, at the tail of the field. But interestingly, Mick said he felt like he was at his top the whole way. Um, but then was, you know, very, very strong through the line. And I think he ran some very quick sectionals. Um, so we'll see uh, whether we get him up to 14, you know, up in trip a bit where he can, he can travel a bit better and 
perhaps being a bit slow away won't be as big a deal. Um, but he has got a he's got a brilliant turn of foot. He's got a pretty high cruising speed, really. And um, yeah, there's a, there's a few options for him. We'll see how he goes, but possibly head towards if he's going well and all age stakes. Um, he's obviously got to step up a lot to go to a wait for age sort of race, but. He's a valuable colt. He's well-bred, and if he could pick off a race like that, it would sort of secure him at stud. Um, but a race at the back of my mind would be the Stradbroke, um, 1,400 handicap conditions. Um, so if we could get him into a race like that on the minimum, I think um, he'd be extremely competitive. Will he race next week, do you think? or he, He'll hold a nomination for the Derby Munro. Um, that's a, that's a, a possibility. And then you've got races such as the Arrowfield, um, there's the listed South Pacific, um, but you'd like to pick off a group race with him rather than a listed race. Um, but it's just not a, it's not actually a great program for a horse like him. You know, he wasn't on that guineas path. I'm not saying he won't get a mile, but I just didn't feel like he was the sort of horse to be getting a mile this early on in his prep. Um, you know, and he may end up not being quite sharp enough for some of those really speedy 1200 meter three-year-olds. So, you know, I think his ideal trip is 1400, but, um, yeah, there's no, there's no group one, three-year-old, 1,400, or even group two or three. Um, there's just not many options for him. So really the only two races are the all-age and the, and the Stradbroke. Yep. And I'll just touch on a couple of other uh, talented horses you've got in your stable. Uh, Queen of Wizardry run, runs this weekend. Yeah, Queen of Wizardry. Um, she's a lovely filly. She's she was a little bit hard to get a line on because she doesn't show you a lot at home. Um, doesn't really show you much in her trials either. Um, she probably did surprise a bit the day she won it at Eagle Farm, um, but she stormed home late and she did exactly the same in the in the Magic Millions. Her run there was enormous and she was probably unlucky not to finish a, a place further forward. She ran fourth, she was probably unlucky not to get a third. She got a bit of a check or two checks down the straight and then she motored past the winner beyond the line. So, you know, she's screaming out for further. Um, we haven't had any options to get her out further yet. Um, this weekend's probably just a... Uh, a sort of starting point for her. Um, I think Mallory probably looks like she'll be pretty tough to beat. Uh, but having said that, you know, there's not a whole lot of speed in the race. Um, so she can be that little bit closer and, and show off that turn of foot that she has got. Um, you know, she could surprise, but her grand final is going to be the champagne. And you've also got Wisdom of Water in the stable as well. He's um, come up from Victoria. Yeah, Wisdom of Water... Um, He's, he's going to trial on Monday, um, just have a soft trial. Um, he's got his quirks. I think they're fairly fairly well-known quirks, and he yeah. certainly hasn't grown out of them. So, um, you know, just, I suppose, learning about him at this stage. Um, so haven't got any set plans with him. If, you know, if we can get him going as, as well as the Edmonds did, um, you know, perhaps a race like the Arrowfield could be for him also. Um, but he might be looking to, to head up to races up in Brisbane as well. Could be his, an option for him. And on Sunday, you um, overcame the issue of Moanga on, on Sunday with Equation in the Canberra Guineas. Um, that must have been pretty sweet to get a bit of a redemption after the day before. Yeah, exactly. Um, he was very good. Um, he's won his last four. The only defeat he had was on debut against Peltzer. Um, but he's a pretty smart He's a pretty smart cult. Um, we've always had a lot of time for him. It's a shame we couldn't get him up and going a bit earlier. He just had a couple of little setbacks. But... Um, yeah, he's a, he's sort of a similar boat to Prague, really. Um, but he'll probably head towards a, a South Pacific. 
Um, or possibly a carbine club if we decide. He'll get a mile, you'd, you'd think, off, off the way he ran the other day, but not in a rush to get him up to that trip. So we might wait for the 1,400-metre race over the championships. And then um, he's another horse as well. It could be sort of Queensland guineas and then maybe a Stradbroke if he ends up being good enough. But, um, you know, what I'm hoping with him is he's he's sort of progresses and, and goes on with it and is perhaps a horse to, to really think about for a Golden Eagle next year. You've got quite a few nominations for the slipper. Um, which horses do you think will make it to the race? At this stage, I don't think we'll have any. Um, the only option left is Queen of Wizardry if she if she happened to win the Magic Knight. It's obviously a ballot exempt race, but um, not sure we'd run her anyway. Um, backing up sort of this early on in the prep, and um, I think she's going to have more of a winning chance in a in a size or a Champagne over over further. So we'd probably just be running for the sake of it. So. Um, had a nice cult that I thought might get there, but he had a setback. And um, you know, you've got when you've got lots of them in, not many of them make it there. Some years they do, some years they don't. So um, I think with him, um, he's going to be a nice horse. He's a horse called Vern. He'll be a nice horse for next year. Um, but yeah, as for the fillies, um, the rest of them that are in there, I don't think any of them will make it. You must have quite a few nice babies coming through from Aquas. Um, yeah, there's some nice, there's some nice two-year-olds, um, and they they were obviously pretty busy at the Magic Millions sale, so quite a lot of yearlings. Um, so um, they bought some really well-bred ones. So you know, hopefully this time next year we might have a couple of those lining up for the slipper. And you've also got Holyfield on Saturday as well. Um, is he on a Doncaster path? Possibly. Um, just going to get the first run out of the way, and then and then work out where we head. I'd st- if if he's going well enough, then. Um, you'd, you'd probably run him in a Doncaster Prelude. Um, he'd need to win that to to get in, I believe. Um, but if not, you know, he's probably another horse that would go to a Carbine Club and and then um, perhaps look up towards Queensland as well. And we'll hopefully get this podcast out before tomorrow. Um, you've got Zazu at Kembla. Good chance. He probably won't go round. It looks a, a pretty strong sixty-four to my mind, and and um, he's drawn a bit awkwardly. So we'll probably wait till next week with him. Yep. And you mentioned uh, Queen of Wizardry um, running fourth in the Magic, Mill- Magic Millions. Um, you've got a all-girls syndicate in her? Yeah, she's all-girls. And um, Lizzie Jelfs is, is in her as well. So um, she was pretty happy to pick up a slice of the $325,000 bonus. Um, and, uh, yeah, we went and bought another horse um, that evening, the, in the evening session after the race. Um, we bought a smart missile filly, so... Um, she's going to race with all girls as well and because a great initiative from from Katie Page to get some of the girls involved and you know we've certainly noticed a couple of the wives um, of of some owners that have got horses with us have, have taken interest that perhaps weren't before um, they've liked the idea of getting together with some girls and having a bit of fun so I think it's been a good initiative at increasing ownership. And we had um, International Women's Day earlier this week um, you must be pretty proud of what the girls are achieving in the game. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, you know, I get, I get asked a lot about how I feel being a girl in the industry, um, but you know, I'm very fortunate that I, I don't really feel anything about it. I, I think it's very equal now, um, thanks to the way ch- things have changed and, and to people like Betty Lane and Gay Waterhouse who sort of helped pave the way for all of us. Um, but probably, re- you know, in recent years, you've seen, um, you know, the likes of Jamie Carr, um, Rachel King, Cathy O'Hara, you know, really stamp themselves as, as being top jockeys, not just top female jockeys, but top jockeys. And, um, you know, in particular, look at, you look at Jamie Carr, um, 
even Linda Meach, you know, last, year before last was um, punching out a lot of winners. And um, I think it's just good now. Times have changed, you know, a lot of the, even the big stud farms and what have you are happy to put on. You know, don't think twice about putting Jamie Carr on just because she's a girl. Um, she's they actually just all want her just because she's good. Yep, exactly. Awesome. Annabelle, well, thanks for joining us and um, fingers crossed for some more luck with Malanga next Saturday. Hopefully. No worries. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. At Winning Edge Investments, our team of highly skilled expert analysts and full-time professional punters review the data, crunch the figures, assess the best betting opportunities, and deliver them to your phone via our app and your email inbox in real time so you profit. Go to www.winningedgeinvestments.com, look at our membership options, make your choice, and enter the promo code PODCAST to receive a special 25% discount on your first membership just for listening. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T in capital letters for a 25% ongoing discount on your first membership. Treat your betting like a business and invest intelligently with Winning Edge Investments.